All right. How was breakfast? It was good. Very, very good. French toast day is one of my favorites. Will you please pray with me? Lord, open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you. Open our lips to speak your truth. And open our hearts to welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I am so excited to be here this morning. Uh, all of you smiling faces, and I realize that we have many biblical scholars in the room today, so I'd ask that you please go easy on me. <laughs> About a month ago, when Father Joe asked me to lead today's class, I began praying about what topic. To focus on. The theme that kept coming to me was change. I don't like change. I've never liked change. I really didn't want to teach about change. I told God this several times, yet here I am leading a discussion on change. How about you? Who likes change? Nobody. No, good change. Good change can be good, um, but for the most part, change is scary. You could be the calmest, coolest, most adaptable person on the planet, but sometimes change can be hard to take. We all resist change in certain areas, even the small things like a good pair of shoes. We find the ones we like. And that's what we need. Don't take my shoes. Don't borrow my shoes. Hands off my shoes. Most of us sit in the same spot in church each week. Right? Yep. <laughs> we drive the same route to work. We eat the same things for breakfast. And we pray the same way at meals. We like our lives to feel familiar and to know what to expect. As creatures of habit, we like efficiency and security in our rituals. Would you all agree on that? But when our routine gets changed by someone or something, we might get a little testy. Let's say you encounter a detour on the way to work, school, or church. There's always that one Sunday with the runners. <laughs> and we're never sure if we can get here or not. So if you're like me and those kinds of changes happen, I get a little worked up. I think I'll be late. I don't know this route. This is different. But for many of us, the only change we welcome is the change we expect. Like seasons. Well, really in Florida. Yeah, maybe one and a half seasons we have. <laughs> See, we plan for it. We plan for the seasons. Yet, we still know that life can change in an instant. Many, if not all of us, have experienced an unexpected life-changing event. Big changes can bring big discomfort. We might lose our jobs. Our relationships may be broken. Finances take a dive. We lose a loved one way too soon. These changes can be overwhelming, scary, and confusing. 
Depending on the event, and there are good changes, as we said, we could experience a myriad of emotions. Elation, grief, excitement, deep sadness, relief, or fear. Benjamin Franklin famously said that nothing is certain except death and taxes. <laughs> Our world, as we know, is rapidly changing every day, every hour, sometimes every minute. So with all this change swirling around us, both in our world and in our community and in our church, Father Trent, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> with all this change, we can feel the need to grab hold of something stable to hang on. When we're facing change in our lives, for better or for worse, where can we look to for guidance, comfort, and peace? Maybe it would help us if we thought of change as an opportunity to depend completely on God. <coughs> Max Lucado said, you can endure change by pondering God's permanence. You can endure change by pondering God's permanence. We can't see God working behind the scenes, but we can have a deep trust that he is there guiding and helping us through all of life's changes. Scripture makes it clear that God does not change in his character, purpose, his fairness towards humans, or in his promises. His character traits such as love, mercy, kindness, justice, and wisdom always exist in perfection. The methods he uses to deal with humans, broken humans, have changed through the centuries. But the values and purposes behind those methods did not. For example, under his covenant with Israel, God declared that animals sacrificed in the manner he prescribed would atone for the sins of the people. Thank you, Leviticus, for that. Under the terms of the new covenant, the Son of God himself became the sacrifice. And the old system, having served its purpose, became obsolete. The change from the old covenant to the new was needed, and it is wonderful securing eternal life for those who trust in Christ. So today, I'd like to address five <coughs> biblical truths about change. God never changes. God's love never changes. God's word never changes. God's purposes never change. And God's promises never change. So let's look at the first one. God never changes. I am the Lord and I do not change. There you go. Book of Malachi. And that this is interesting because God reminds the Jews of his unchanging nature. And being that this is the last book of the Old Testament, before a period of about 400 silent years where God does not speak through his prophets, God is guaranteeing the preservation of the nation Israel. That will not change. It's kind of like he was reminding them, I'll still be around, same as always, even though you don't hear from me. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. 
Big changes continued to happen in their world. But even so, God was at work. He was at work with his unchanging plan. In fact, it's simply not possible for God to change. God is absolute perfection, and one simply cannot improve upon a perfection. He cannot fail or become less than perfect. He does not develop or grow. He always remains the same. The second one, God's love never changes. Psalm 136, give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. God's every activity and thought is love. It's who he is and who he always will be. Even when mankind fell into sin, God didn't change. His love for humanity and desire for fellowship with us remain the same. He took steps to redeem us from our sin because we are powerless to change ourselves in that regard. He sent his son to save us. So, thankfully, God doesn't base his love for us on our thoughts or our behavior. Thank you, Lord. God loves us just as much today as he did before he formed us. He loves us the same on our good days and on our bad days. He's busy loving us when we aren't feeling it or even trying to lean on him. When your whole world is shaken and everything seems to be falling apart, you can always count on God's love. God's word never changes. I've given you several verses on your handout, but I want to focus on the, the one from 1 Peter. The word of the Lord endures forever. This verse is where we get the letters V-D-M-A. And I hope you all tell Father Joe that I'm making a reference to the Reformation. <laughs> V-D-M-A. This was, new, this was new to me in my research. It is the acronym for the famous Reformation slogan in Latin. So give me some grace here. Verbum Domini Manet in Eternum. The word, of Lord, the word of the Lord remains forever. Did I do that correctly? Okay. <laughs> what was it going to be? V-D-M-A. Okay. Verbum domini, domini manet in eternum. Yeah. This is incredibly occur- encouraging. Right? It invites us to ponder what, what is the word? And what does the word mean for our lives? Jesus strongly validated the scriptures and called them truth. From the first chapter of the Gospel of John, we learn that the word was both with God and was God. 
Jesus taught his disciples the importance of knowing, speaking, and defending the truth because he himself is truth incarnate. From John's Gospel, we read, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. So one of the things when I was working with the children, one of the things that, I, that was important for me to tell them and to make sure they knew was that the Bible is truth. Always. No negotiation. No um, no, any, I'll get into that in a minute, but anyway, we can alter it or make it fit our own needs. No. <laughs> the Bible itself is truth, and you can always count on that. Always count on that. And I didn't hear that phrase until I was probably 40 years old. Nobody had looked at me and said, the Bible is truth. And when I heard that the first time, it's like, you ever get those feelings like when the light, you just, well, it's the holy two by four, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, wow, yes, that's right. And we need to say that more and more. The Bible is truth. In Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, for truly I tell you until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. The word stands firm. Consider this statement. The word doesn't change. It changes us. The word doesn't change. It changes us. Far too often, I think, we make the mistake of thinking God's word must change or adapt to keep up with the times or even change to adapt to the mood we're in, the causes we believe in or don't, the lessons we want to teach our children, even the sermons we write. I might be guilty of that. Friends, rest assured that we humans do not have the power or the authority to change God's word. God's purposes never change. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. From Psalm 33. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. That's Proverbs 19. God's plans cannot fail, and nobody can stop him from accomplishing his will. Who has experienced that in their life? You can't stop him. God has a plan, and he'll see it through. We make plans all the time. And what's the saying? God laughs when we make plans. We aren't able to always make everything go the way we want. We are not all-powerful and all-knowing, but we can be sure that God is. We can rejoice that God is sovereign and that he cares about what happens in our lives. 
He knows the plans that he has. And we can know for sure that no one and nothing can hold him back from carrying them out. God's purposes can never be messed up. And we can trust him to do whatever he sets out to do. God's purposes are completely trustworthy and his intentions for our life never change. We can be sure that in the end, his purpose will overcome all odds and win. God always wins. Always. Whatever change he brings, we know it is always for good, even though we may not see that in our lifetime. When God brings change, we have to know it is always for good. That is faith. That is truth. That is God's love for all of us, his precious children. God's promises never change. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? That's from Numbers. Everything that God has told us about himself is true forever. God's message and his promises don't change just because the world changes. Throughout the Bible, God made promises to his people, and all of those promises were fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Consider the, pro the promises he made through the Old Testament. And I'm basically saying the covenants. The covenants, just an aside, this is a fascinating, this was another holy two by four for me, is learning about the covenants in the Old Testament and how they all pushed through to the new covenant, which is Jesus. Um, so someday I hope to do a series on the covenants because it's fascinating the way they fold in together. It's like a thread, a thread that leads to Jesus. But that's for another time. So we, we can see that God's covenant with Noah established the renewal of creation. It was a hard reset, if you will. And the rainbow in the sky is the sign of God's promise. His promise that he will withdraw his wrath and preserve the world until redemption is fulfilled through Jesus. God promises Abraham offspring, land, and universal blessing. God promises Israel's preservation in the Mosaic Covenant. Through his covenant with David, God promises a descendant of David will reign on the throne over the people of God. And he did. The new covenant represents the culmination of God's saving work among his people. God promises a coming day when he would make a new covenant unlike the one which Israel had broken. The coming day brings forgiveness of sin, internal renewal of the heart, and intimate knowledge of God. The new covenant is Jesus Christ. So we can have absolute confidence in God to do what he says he will do. God keeps his promises. 
And although we may not see them manifest immediately like we would prefer, we can trust that he is at work in our lives. We can count on our Lord to keep his word both in the past and now. So what does this all mean for us today when change comes knocking at the door? It means we don't have to plant ourselves in our comfort zones, letting life control us or pass us by. We can go to our never-changing Father for direction, guidance, comfort, and rest. He wants us to experience his boldness and his confidence. In all situations, God doesn't change. Although God does not develop or grow, he is not inactive. On the contrary, he is actively involved in every way with humanity. We can trust in his purposes. Sometimes dealing with change is uncomfortable. We've talked about that. But God doesn't take us to hard places and dump us there. He has a purpose and plan for our lives. I believe, for me personally, God does his best work in me when I'm in the ditch. Um, And by in the ditch, you know what I mean by in the ditch. Um, He does his best work in me when I'm struggling, when I don't know where to turn, even my faith had been shaken. He is doing his best work in me. Now, I... I don't want you to think that I crave being in the ditch, because I don't. (laughs) I don't. But the realization that when you're in it, he's working in you, for me, is a great feeling of peace and a great feeling of, yes, I'm struggling. But when I come out the other side, God is going to use this for good. And it's hard to see that. We have tragedy in our lives every day. We see tragedy in the world every day, and we think, how can God use that for good? Through our faith, we should believe that God wastes nothing. He uses everything, everything, to the point that I believe as humans, we cannot conceive all that he does and all that he is working in our lives. God knows where we need to build up strength and character. We can hold firm. His word and nature are real things on which we can stand. He is big enough and strong enough to keep us safe in any storm. No matter how high the waves. I like that. I like that image. No matter how high the waves. <laughs> we can have true contentment in God. Philippians 4:11. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. (coughs) Paul had to learn, right? And so do we. When we rely on God's promises and strength, we can begin to see life 
from God's point of view. Has anyone ever, I think it was Father John Pallarine that used to talk about the, getting up on the balcony, the balcony view. And that must be the closest we can get to the view that God has. If we get up on the balcony view and look down at all in our lives and all in our community and just see and feel and be present, that's what God must see in us. The world may be turbulent, but God's unchanging promises are the reasons we can always have hope. In, he- in Hebrews, we can read, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. I like that image too. An anchor for the soul. He created us with love and a purpose that has never changed. We can absolutely, without a doubt, 100% count on his consistent nature to be the anchor for our souls. His nature, his word, his love, his purpose and promises don't change. Friends, I have good news and bad news. The bad news is God isn't content with leaving us unchanged. The good news is God isn't content with leaving us unchanged. (laughs) Think about that. If we fear change, which is a natural human um, emotion, we've got to know and got to remember that God isn't content with leaving us unchanged. Paul writes in Romans, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. The good Paul speaks of isn't a good like everything will work out peachy keen, we'll tie a bow around it and be done. The good is that God is transforming us to be more like Jesus every day. Every day. And like it or not, we must accept that change for that to happen. I want to do... Wow, I finished quick. Um, I want to talk about on your handout, we have some reflections on dealing with change. It's on the back. And I'd like to pose these questions. And if anyone would like to share or comment or ask another question, um, I would welcome that. So how can thinking about God's sovereignty help you when you are dealing with change? Don't you think singularly... When we're, we're left up to our own devices, there's, a, there's such angst. But if somebody joins you on the journey, your boat's sinking. Somebody joins you on, and they're helping you bail at the same time. Doesn't, doesn't that give you a sense of security and everything's going to be all right? You're not alone. Doesn't mean your boat's not going to sink, but just the same, you've got somebody with you to help you along. That's right. God is always with us. And his nature is to love us and to help us. 
Anyone else on that question? I like to think um, who has the mind of Christ. I mean, God sees the big picture. He's got the rooftop view. I mean, yeah, right. <clears throat> he sees the big picture in my finite mind. He can't possibly imagine how I'm going to get out of this situation. But trusting in him helps me because he, he knows everything. And so just surrendering to, to that. And that's, that's, that's really easy, isn't it? Sure. <laughs> no. Not at all. Not at all. When we're in the ditch, God can seem very far away. But I promise you that he is not. In fact, he's closer to you than, than he has ever been when you're in the ditch. All right. Does dealing with change... Bring along the baggage of anxiety <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. What is the baggage? What is the baggage that comes with change? Wayne. I guess in order to grow and change, you have to put yourself in places that are uncomfortable. And being uncomfortable comes with some stress and some worry. Think about it. Well, I guess through age, having having lived longer, to reflect back on times when you were really having a rough time, God got you through it. And if you look back and say, "Gosh, that was a great thing that happened to me there. If I hadn't done that, sometimes good." So it's intentionally maybe in your life stepping out into uncomfortable places that helps you grow in your faith. Put yourself closer with God, and, and after all, I guess that's sort of walking the walking in faith. You know, I, I can think of a couple of times in our marriage where we, we moved to Memphis, Tennessee. The day they were moving our furniture into the house, they said, "Your business is being eliminated, and we're going to sell it." So oh my goodness! We just we were really comfortable in Spain. We drove for six years. Now we're in Memphis. It's like Oh, now I'm Jacksonville, and I've lived here longer than I have my whole life. And i got this great church family. Yes. Not too far. And a beautiful, <laughs> a beautiful, loving wife. If I'd have been trying to write that script, I never would have. Yeah. So that's where, you know, knowing God has, has got your back. Maybe that helps you just deal with the change that comes in your life. Absolutely. Um, um, something else I thought of when you were talking, um, Wayne, is change makes us uncomfortable, and we all want to be comfort comfortable. And um, I heard it might have even been Max Lucado say, "God's not concerned with your comfort." That's right. <laughs> he's okay. concerned with concerned with our character and many other things, but he's not concerned with our comfort. Some, um, I think maybe Father Joe has said this before, and I've read it in several places. If reading the gospel does not make you uncomfortable, then you're not reading it correctly. It's true. Stay in your comfort zone, you never grow. Yeah. That's right. I, I'm an example of that. <laughs> I would have never, ever thought. I would be headed towards ordained 
life. Um, and that was way out of my comfort zone. Way out of my comfort zone. Um, but he, he worked in me, and he's still working in me. I need it. So what kind of changes are the most challenging for you? What changes are the most challenging for you? I think, I think to recognize. I'm, 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 so for some reason, hung up on the story about the people in the blood on the top of the roof. Yeah. And, and the canoes, you know, the fire department goes by. They said, don't worry, we're okay. We, have, we accept God's grace, blah, blah, blah. And they die and they go to heaven and they say, well, why didn't you show up when I was waiting for you? And he said, I sent you the fire department and boats, and you didn't respond. So I think recognition of, of salvation is sometimes hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It goes against everything the world tells us. The world tells us we have to, to check boxes, and we have to move up the ladder, and we have to... Um, accomplish these set things. And, and those aren't bad things. But that's not how God looks at it. At all. Yes, sir? I used to write procedures that required change. And one of the hardest things was trying to convince people that the change was necessary. Even though it was an easier way to do a job, you still had resistance. Right. Yeah. So it was always difficult to try to implement the change. It was not an easy well, and you know, the church, it's so easy to change things about the church, right? No, 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 no. Um, we love our church. We want our church to be a place of peace and familiarity and consistency. And change in the church can be some of the toughest, I think. Again, thank you, Dr. <laughs> Um, anybody else on that? What changes are the most challenging for you? I, I think that if we look at change with thanks, thanksgiving, um, you know, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Um, it's been my favorite verse since my mother made me move to the god-awful place called Florida. <laughs> it worked out okay. <laughs> but that's, I think we just need to find some part of the change that we can be thankful for. Mm -hmm. um, even if the, the big picture looks horrible, that, you know, um, you can be thankful for some part of a blessing that that is. I get asked a lot when I visit patients in the hospital, um, kind of the question, why, why did this happen to me? Why do bad things happen to good people? I probably, once a week, I, I would get asked that when I was in doing my internship. And the answer is, <laughs> he doesn't. The answer is, we live in a broken world, and because we live in a broken world, things, bad things happen. 
but we know, as Lynn said, that God uses all things for good. But I got to tell you, I mean, when you lose a loved one, when you lose a loved one, um, it's hard to see that. When you lose a job, when you, I mean, today, money, I mean, gas is going down, thankfully, but when you see your, your retirement accounts dwindle or you see your, um, your budget is just blown because your gas bill is three times what it was this time last year. Um, you know, that is, that's, that's challenging. But God has a plan. Did you want to add to my um, answer about bad things, good people and bad things? Yeah, uh, I teach at River Garden, and, and we, we lose a lot of class members over the years. And, and although we know that that's true, it, it always seems like such an unsatisfactory answer at, mm. at the time. And, and, that, and I guess I keep coming back to Job, where you know, Job has all these bad things happen. And never gets an answer. Mm. <laughs> is it, I am God and you are not? And I don't like that answer either. No. <laughs> I think um, oftentimes the best answer is no answer. Yeah. And a listening ear. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Progressively, this is on a, a personal level, so forgive me. My hearing's getting much worse. And I really enjoy interacting with it and I can't understand how this change is going to do anything for me. It tends to isolate you and everybody's pretty understanding but I don't understand why this is happening. Um, and, and I don't have the answer for that. And I'm sorry that you're going through that. Um, I, sometimes we don't see in our lifetime the fruits of, of how God uses everything for good. And when you're in it, it like I said, it, it's, it's hard to see it. Um, I do know, Susie, that you are God's precious child. And he loves you more than anything. And I just, I mean, I, I, I don't know the words to say other than you were loved and you were supported. I'm sorry. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being vulnerable like that. Appreciate it. Anybody else? Okay, which of the five biblical, biblical truths discussed today spoke to you? Which, which of the ones spoke to you? Yes. Thank you, God's purposes never change. But one of the things I'm discovering is that my place in that purpose will change. And I'm not always happy with that. <laughs> right, right. Yes. That, it's interesting. That one was the most challenging for me. God's purposes never change. 
even though you know we we celebrate that every summer with created for a purpose and built for a purpose and we teach them that they are here all for different reasons and all for the glory of God that one for me that was that was the one I struggled with the most What purpose is cancer? Mm-hmm. What purpose is loss of hearing or loss of sight? Or the list goes on. But but I just I give thanks for our faith because mm-hmm. even though we don't know the purpose, <clears throat> he does, mm-hmm. and I believe him. And mm-hmm. that that's. Aww. And he is good, and like you said, he loves you. It's just hard to to feel like uh, you can contribute or I can grow when I'm not able to communicate. But it, but God sees more than you see, so we just have to trust that he he knows you and he loves you and and all who are suffering. You're not forgotten, and he has a purpose, even though you don't see it. You're a blessing to us. Your presence right now and your willingness to be vulnerable with the group is huge. That's ministry. Yes. That's all ministry. It goes back to your opening reflection on the question of the sovereignty. Mm -hmm. Because this is grace being played out is that the king's still on the throne mm-hmm. and even if, if we all have our you know our uh, thorns in the side and we can pray for them to be removed and they might not but his goodness is still with us and we're never promised that heartache isn't coming for us mm-hmm. or hard times but he's there throughout all of it and that's that's the very essence of the gospel and the message of grace even though it's not easy to swallow something. Yes. I like the location of Romans 8, 28. That is the bottom one. We don't know how he's going to do it, the way he's going to do it, or if he's going to do it, but he's going to do it somehow. He just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And he does it for good. Hmm. Um... Father Trent said about God doesn't promise our lives will be easy. I've looked for that in the Bible. (laughs) A lot. And it's not there. So he doesn't promise that. He promises that he's with us always. I mean, look at the Old Testament. Life wasn't easy for those folks. I think, I mean, I can't imagine. But God was there. He He was the consistency and he was there. And he was loving his people like his children. And sometimes we know, those of us that have kids, sometimes loving your kids means tough love, <laughs> means punishment, means um, growth in the way um, we interact with one another. <laughs> you say a spatula? <laughs> But, and then that goes back to 
The God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament are the same God. The God of the Old Testament was teaching us that we need a Savior. We need a Savior. Um, in fact, if you read the Old Testament through the lens of the cross, every word in that Old Testament points to Jesus. Even in Leviticus. Points to Jesus. That's pretty awesome. Anyone else? Anyone else? Am I, am I out of time? Ten, ten. Okay. So I would like, Susie, can we please pray over you? Would that be okay? Tell me if, if it's not, please. it's fine. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go over here. Let us pray. God, we don't always understand the things that happen. And Lord, I ask to you to pour out your grace and your mercy on this, your servant, Susie, and remind her time and again how much she is loved, how precious she is to you, and how perfect she is in your eyes. And Lord, you are going to use Susie's hearing loss for good. It's hard to see it now. But Lord, we know we have faith. We know that you do not change. And God, I just ask um, that your healing powers wrap around Susie and that she knows that you are with her always. And I ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank y'all so much for listening. Thank you. Bye. Next week, next week, Trent, Father Trent is doing the rector's forum. Not to miss it.